I'm not sure I've ever preached with a sermon title that has felt quite so inappropriate as Come Home at Christmas in light of yesterday's news. Come home for Christmas. Uh, I guess many of us are sad, struggling, maybe even mourning um, at the news we won't be able to do Christmas as we'd planned, at, you know, whatever stage we were at in our Christmas planning. Without being glib, what we'll look at today is, is good news for us all, even if we're downhearted at what the next few days will hold compared to what they might have done. This is week four of our series looking at the theme of home across the Bible. In week one, Ewan told us that we as humanity once had a home. God's people, in God's place, under his blessing and kindness, submitting to his good kingship. And then Rob told us that we lost that home. He shared how that home was lost by one man. How his heart, Adam, is mirrored in all of our hearts. That rejection of God's rule. And therefore we have brought upon ourselves suffering and curse. Paradise has been lost. And then last week Ian Fenton pointed us to Jesus, how he came and made his home with us. And in this week, week four, we're going to consider the invitation to, to come home, to come home to, to God. So we're going to look at two points. Firstly, that the heart of home is relationship. And then secondly, that the call of Christmas is to return home. The heart of home is relationship. How many of you, hands up if you're in the audience, you can do it at home too. Hands up if you've already started hitting the Christmas films. Oh, quite a few, okay. I wonder if there are any particular favourites. Miracle on 34th Street, the old version or the new version. Die Hard, anybody? Oh, don't get that started. Anybody watch The Grinch yet? Oh, yeah, okay. So The Grinch, there's a moment towards the end of that film, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, where Dr. Zeus, the author of the book, which has turned into a film, uh, tells these words as the Grinch um, thinks that he's successfully ruined Christmas, and then he hears the strains of singing coming up from the town. And Dr. Zeus says this, And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling, how could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes or bags. And he puzzled and he puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas perhaps means a little bit more? Christmas is not about stuff. Christmas is about love. That's the the moral of, of Dr. Zeus's story. And I think we'd agree. Depending on our age, in the room and at home, I think most of us would say Christmas is not about presents. But Christmas is about love. It's about family. It's about relationships. And at the heart of God's vision for us of home is the same. A loving relationship, but not in the first place. A relationship that involves us. See, before there was a baby in the manger, before the nation of Israel worshipped God at a temple, Before the family of Abraham landed in Egypt, before the fall of mankind, before even the creation of humanity. 
the Bible tells us that there is a loving relationship. Last week we heard about how God the Son had come to earth to make his home amongst us. John 1.14 tells us the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But a couple of verses later in that same chapter, John goes on to tell us about the home that Jesus had left and the relationship that he had. John 1 verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. At the very heart of the concept of true home is a relationship. And it is God's relationship with himself. It starts not with us, but with God. The God of the Bible is a triune God. One God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus comes into this world, he reveals to us what their relationship is like. We get little snapshots of their love for one another. So twice the Bible tells us that God the Father speaks about God the Son so that others can hear. And what does he say? This is my Son whom I love. And he declares it loud so that everybody can hear. I love him. You need to know that I love him. Jesus himself says that his death is the great evidence of his love for the Father in John chapter 14 verse 31. And we hear, we listen into Jesus' prayer to the Father in John 17, where he describes what true life, what eternal life, what life in all its fullness is, and he says it's this, it's to know you. He speaks out of his own experience and says there is nothing to compare with knowing the Father. It's into this family, into this home, that God calls people. He calls us. Sometimes you hear parents say that when a a new child comes along, that our family is now complete. I don't know if Robbie and Vicky have said that this week. I don't know if the dogs have mentioned that at all. But that's not the case with God. He didn't need to add to his family to be complete. He is complete in himself, the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Behind all of this world and behind every relationship and every home is the true home and it is the loving relationship of God. But God wants us to share in his home, his delightful, joy-filled home. And so as Jesus comes and he's teaching his disciples and he's speaking to the crowds, he tells stories and they give us a a sense, an echo of that relationship. He tells stories of kings and masters throwing great banquets, throwing their doors wide and inviting people in. And it's like Jesus is trying to give us a clue to say, this is what's going on. I want you to come in and experience my home and my riches and my blessings. This is what sort of God our God is. A God who is inviting people in. He's inviting people home. And let me stop at this point and just say, 
this is really good news. Not least if you're here today or you're listening at home and you're somebody who's had a a difficult experience with church. Church is supposed to be a family. Our church, we describe as a family, and I think it is. I think there are many of us here would say, we're here because we've been loved. We love the fact that we walk in and people know us and people love us and people are kind to us. But this church fails. Every church fails to show fully the love of God. But the basis of home, And the place and the relationship that you are invited into is not dependent upon us getting it right. It is dependent upon an eternal relationship between God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So don't give up on God because of a church. Maybe even because of this church or because of Christians. The home we are called into is perfect. Its earthly extension is often imperfect. Because it's full of people like me. But here's a problem. If this is this great home that God's relationship is, how can we get into it? How can we join Rob told us about how we, about how humanity had lost our home. Paradise lost. There's a vivid picture at the end of that story of Adam and Eve and the way they they fell, they failed, and God's judgment upon them. And the picture is this. They've been in this glorious garden and God says, you've got to leave. He cast them out. And at the entrance to the garden, he places an angel with a great sword that flashes back and forth. And it says this, you can't come in. There's no way back. No entry. Because of their sin, because of our sin. When we think about that true home and that perfect relationship that God has with himself... We have to think about ourselves and our sin. Sin spoils relationships. It spoils our relationship. Lying destroys trust, doesn't it? A lack of love leads to a lack of delight and joy in other people. Sin spoils marriages. It spoils friendships. It spoils child and parent relationships. And every one of us knows it from both sides. We know that relationships that have been spoiled because of things that we've done. And we know of relationships that have been spoiled because of things that other people have done against us. Sin is a problem because of our sin. We cannot enter this home. Something has to be done so that we can return. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 describes God's great plan of salvation and it holds out one simple phrase, a chapter title if you like. What's going on here? And this word is reconciliation, being reconciled to God. Or maybe we could phrase it like this. What is God's great plan? It's bringing people 
home. Christmas is about bringing people home. And so let's turn to our second point. The call of Christmas is return home. And we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a few of those verses from 17 to 21 together. You can follow it on the screen. If anyone who is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We implore you on Christ's behalf, come home to God. What does reconciled mean? It's two or more parties being brought together. Two that have been separated, being brought back together. We can think of another Christmas movie. We could think of Kevin from Home Alone. Hopefully he's going to be up there being reconciled to his mum after being abandoned by terrible parents and a terrible family and then it happens all over again in home alone 2 i'm pretty sure those parents should be arrested for child neglect but anyway at the end of both home alone 1 and home alone 2 you get this scene of reconciliation kevin's mum holding him tight they've been brought back together When the Bible says that people need to be reconciled to God, it's the bringing back of not people that have have lost each other, but people that have been separated from God by their own actions and their own hearts. And we're all born in that state. Listen to this description of us. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. No one can come into this home. And more than that, nobody wants to. Our natural state is one of rebellion against God. Some of us rebel by breaking God's laws. We hear God say, this is right and this is good. And we say, no, I think that this is right and this is good and I'm going this way. But some of us, some of us rebel by hearing God's laws and saying, I can keep them. Some of us rebel by by saying we don't need God to be good. We're all like a people who are sat outside a home. A home in the, imagine the scene, Christmas scene, the the sun has gone down, it's dark. And the home, the the lights are shining out of the windows. And there's a roaring fire inside. And it's just delightful. You can smell something nice being cooked. And we are all like people who are outside of the house. Either ignoring what's going on inside or rejecting what's going on inside. 
Not one of us is standing at the door going, let me in. And so we have this question, how is it that we can be brought home? How can we be reconciled to God? How can we deal with sin? Well, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that God acts. God is the one who brings home. God is the one who chooses to not count our sin against us. And we can say, well, can God just do that? Can God just ignore wrongdoing? Not just mine, but, but other people's. People who, at least it seems to me, are far worse than I am. Can God just ignore it? Well, the end of that passage that we read says this. God does this with our sin. God made Jesus, who knew no sin. That means he had no sin of his own. Never once did Jesus in his earthly life turn against God, reject God, say, I don't need you, God. He who knew no sin to become sin for us. That we might be the righteousness of God. A great exchange takes place. Jesus takes our wrong and we take his right. He is punished for our rebellion and we are rewarded for his faithfulness. This is why Jesus came, so that we might come home. And it takes Jesus dying in our place so that we can walk through the door of that house. And it's all, every part of it, of God. His plan, his act. And so the question is this, will we receive it? We often think about gifts at Christmas. Will we receive this great gift that has been offered? Will we accept this reconciliation? Will we come in? But one final thought for us to think about. Notice too that God gives a job to those that have come home. He says, I've got a job for you now. Go out and tell other people. Go out and be people who persuade others about this wonderful home that they can come into. Listen again to verses 19 and 20. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. The call of the Christian is to say to others, come home. Come home to God. We've come home. God did it all. But the door's still open. There is still space. We are Christ's ambassadors. So our lives matter. What we do and what we say reflects the home that we invite, are inviting people into. Because we are the ambassadors of the one who has made things right. The one who stands on both sides. Both as God and man. Jesus Christ. And as we call people into this glorious home. We do so in the knowledge that this is God's work. And God's plan and God's desire. Often we can think about evangelism. Sharing the good news of Jesus. And we put it all on ourselves. I've got to convince people. I've got to show people. 
And, you know, if I'm good enough, then maybe God will let, will let somebody else in. Now, 2 Corinthians tells us that God is in the business of inviting people home. He wants it. He desires it. He delights in it. This is the God who is the father of the wayward child and also the religious child. He invites both to come home, the open sinner and the secret sulker. We might not be able to return to our families this Christmas because of what the government has said or for a myriad of other reasons. But make no mistake, God wants you to return home to him even today to find happiness and safety to find comfort and joy with him now and forever and he has dealt with the great obstacle that stood in the way our sin our rejection of him our rebellion against him and he has dealt with it in jesus at the cross so that we might become the righteousness of god So come home this Christmas to the God who loves you and welcomes you. And if you are already home, whilst we do not yet fully experience all that there is to come, and David's going to talk to us more about that next week, there is still now the opportunity to to say to other people, come home. God desires that you come home to him. And be reconciled. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful message. That there is a home to find in this world. That has stood for eternity. To know you and the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. To be loved and known and welcomed forever. Father, thank you that you have made the way through sending Jesus. And that as we, this Christmas, look on that nativity scene, as we hear familiar words read to us from the Bible, Lord, we see a little of that home as God dwells with men and men come to know God for themselves. Father, we pray that more would come even today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.